Welcome back, everybody. This is Ali Moon. It is 11, 11 a.m. I've done a few readings for you, three pages, not a lot, but a little bit to keep you on your way. I want to get you up to speed on what's going on with this story. What is going on with this story? Well, there's been a murder. Yeah, Mr. Carew was murdered by Mr. Hyde. Yes, we know that. And how is the lawyer and Mr. Carew connected? How are they connected? Well, in the pocket of the coat, I'm assuming, of the murdered human being, <laughs> they found a letter addressed to Mr. Utterson. That is, um, that was a client of Mr. Utterson, the lawyer. Okay, so that's how Carew and Utterson are connected. All right. Now, that's the one letter that was mentioned in this story. The very next chapter, incident of the letter, completely different letter, which I was confused about. Okay, so Dr. Jekyll, who's very ill and sick looking, received a letter, a different letter from somebody. It was not postmarked. They have no idea who gave it to the doctor. Mr. Utterson visited Dr. Jekyll at his place of residence. And they discussed this letter. Dr. Jekyll didn't know what to do with this letter because, well, he just didn't know what to do with it. He didn't know what to think about it. And it was signed by Hyde. Okay. What was unusual was the letter was not postmarked. And as the lawyer left, he asked Mr. Poole, how did this letter come? Did you receive any letters today? And Mr. Poole was like, no, nothing, nothing came today. So the question remains, was the letter dropped off or was the letter in fact written in the home and left on a table? So there's some sketchy stuff going on because Dr. Jekyll said that he received it, but it's kind of appearing almost like it didn't arrive. It just was left there by Mr. Hyde. So there's something kind of fishy going on, right? So anyway, the lawyer wants advice. Even though the lawyer is very self-sufficient, very independent, he wants some advice from somebody who he trusts. And this is where they introduce a new character in this book. And the person's name is Mr. Guest. He is a head clerk. Okay, so the next few pages are going to be about their discussion on this letter and, you know, whether or not they can really trust that it's from Mr. Hyde or could it be written by somebody else? Could it be forged? They're going to do some checking in on this. And uh, yeah, so that's what the next few pages are. So you're off to speed. This is what's going on. And I hope you enjoy. Page 31. The lawyer liked this letter well enough. It put a better color on the intimacy than he had looked for, and he blamed himself for some of his past suspicions. Have you the envelope? He asked. I burned it, replied Jekyll. Before I thought what I was about, it bore no postmark. The note was handed in. Shall I keep this and sleep upon it? 
asked Utterson. I wish you to judge for me entirely, was the reply. I have lost confidence in myself. Well, I shall consider it, returned the lawyer. And now one word more. It was Hyde who dictated the terms in your will about that disappearance? The doctor seemed seized with a qualm of faintness. He shut his mouth tight and nodded. I knew it, said Utterson. He meant to murder you. You had a fine escape. I have had what is far more to the purpose, returned the doctor solemnly. I have had a lesson. Oh, God, Utterson, what a lesson I have had. And he covered his face for a moment with his hands. On his way out, the lawyer stopped and had a word or two with Poole. By the by, said he, there was a letter handed in today. What was the messenger like? But Poole was positive nothing had come except by post. And only circulars by that, he added. This news sent off the visitor with his fears renewed. Plainly, the letter had come by the laboratory door. Possibly, indeed, it had been written in the cabinet. And if that were so, it must be differently judged and handled with the more caution. Page 32. The newsboys, as he went, were crying themselves hoarse along the footways. Special edition! Shocking murder of an MP! That was the funeral oration of one friend and client, and he could not help a certain apprehension lest the good name of another should be sucked down in the eddy of the scandal. It was at least a ticklish, ticklish decision he had to make and a self-reliant as he was by habit, he began to cherish a longing for advice. It was not to be had directly, but perhaps, he thought, it might be fished for. Presently, after he sat on one side of his own hearth, with Mr. Guest, his head clerk, upon the other, and midway between, at a nicely calculated distance from the fire, a bottle of a particular old wine that had long dwelt unsunned, in the foundations of his house. The fog still slept on the wing above the drowned city, where the lamps glimmered like carbuncles, and through the muffle and smother of these fallen clouds, the procession of the town's life was still rolling in through the great arteries with a sound as of a mighty wind. But the room was gay with firelight. In the bottle, the acids were long ago resolved. The imperial dye had softened with time as the color grows richer in stained windows and the glow of the hot autumn afternoons on hillside vineyards was ready to be set free and to disperse the fogs of London. Insensibly, the lawyer melted. There was no man from whom he kept fewer secrets than Mr. Guest, and he was not always sure that he kept as many as he meant. Guest had often been on business to the doctor's, he knew Poole. He could scarce have failed to hear of Mr. Hyde's familiarity about the house. He might draw conclusions. 
Was it not as well, then, that he should see a letter, which put that mystery to rights? And above all, since guest, being a great student and critic of handwriting, would consider the step natural and obliging? The clerk, besides, was a man of counsel. He could scarce read so strange a document without dropping a remark. And by that remark, Mr. Utterson might shape his future course. Page 33. This is a sad business about Sodanvas, he said. Yes, sir, indeed. It has elicited a great deal of public feeling, returned Guest. The man, of course, was mad. I should like to hear your views on that, replied Utterson. I have a document here in his handwriting. It is between ourselves, for I scarce know what to do about it. It is an ugly business at best. But there it is, quite in your way, a murderer's autograph. Guest's eyes brightened, and he sat down at once and studied it with passion. No, sir, he said, not mad, but it is an old hand. And by all accounts a very old writer, added the lawyer. Just then the servant entered with a quick note. Is that from Dr. Jekyll, sir? inquired the clerk. I thought I knew the writing. Anything private, Mr. Utterson? Only invitation to dinner. Why? Do you want to see it? One moment, I thank you, sir. And the clerk laid the two sheets of paper alongside and sedulously compared their contents. Thank you, sir. He said at last, returning both. It's a very interesting autograph. There was a pause during which Mr. Utterson struggled with himself. Why did you compare them, guest? He inquired suddenly. Well, sir, returned the clerk. There's a rather singular resemblance. The two hands are in many points identical, only differently sloped. Rather quaint, said Utterson. It is, as you say, rather quaint, returned guest. I wouldn't speak of this note, you know, said the master. No, sir, said the clerk. I understand. But no sooner was Mr. Utterson alone that night than he locked the note into a safe where it reposed from that time forward. What? He thought. Henry Jekyll forged for a murderer? And his blood ran cold in his veins. <laughs> 